Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uktena, and today we'll be delving into how manifesting anything, from your best life to your soul's purpose, is a full body process, and how bringing Akasha into your body physically can give you greater success or even a richer soul connection. A major hurdle in working with the Akashics is, once you've done the work there, you then need to manifest the wisdom here. Almost every religion and spirituality teaches the fundamentals of the wisdom path, helping us move upwards out of the mundane groundedness of everyday life into the universal as well as helping us remember our spiritual nature and accessing the resources there, which can help us live better lives here. Some of them teach various means of bringing information here, but limited amounts about practical application. Some of them argue whether it's worth it or not to bring the wisdom here, that age-old argument of grace versus good works, and others just flat-out reject bringing any of the epiphanies here at all. Instead, we're to wait until the end of our lives, or the end times, because this life has no meaning and is full of suffering for no reason. So, we have means and desire to get to the Akashics, but then are left with a vacuum when it comes to getting back home again. It's like finding a mountain of gold and jewels, which is ours to have, but we not only don't have pockets to carry them, but we're naked. So we try to carry as much as we can the best ways we can, which are wholly inadequate to the task and ultimately frustrating. Because of this, manifesting the wisdom, past life insights, lessons, epiphanies, healing, and solutions we receive when working in the Akashics, for lack of any better means, Manifesting the wisdom, past life insights, lessons, epiphanies, healing, and solutions we receive when working in the Akashics, for lack of any better means, usually gets done through our arbitrarily separated methods of experiencing ourselves. Mental or willpower, emotional, creative, spiritual, and or physical expressive. Because our culture heavily favors mental processes, logic, thought, and writing, most people focus on manifestation as a mental thing. If we hold the right thoughts, think the right way, set the correct intention, concentrate on consciously acting in alignment with our goals, then things will manifest. Because the thought is that we think our reality into being. For the minority who are or allow themselves to live more creatively, Valuing their emotional interactions with the world around them, they may manifest through creating in some fashion. For those who dedicate themselves to a spiritual practice or spirit-driven life, manifestation drives from a deep connection to their soul and its connection with divinity. For those who have a deep relationship with their bodies, dance, theater, athletics, martial arts, and so on will be how they manifest themselves and their lives. Of course, no one is wholly segmented into these categories, and so everyone will experience a mixture of all of these in manifesting their life on a daily basis. 
But we're taught these aspects of ourselves, mind, emotions, soul, body, are separate things which have a hierarchical order and should operate in specific ways. The mind should be preeminent, hence we should think things through before we act. Our emotions are the enemy, and so we should deny some, promote others, and above all, control ourselves. Our soul is an elusive thing which cannot truly be known, let alone heard or related to, and so what is best for it and us can only be guessed at, which is why dogma is so very relevant to a good life. And most of all, our body is seen as a machine with no intelligence of its own. It is to do and not be done for. It is to serve, guaranteed to break down, and is often the enemy of all we wish to do and be. Unfortunately, these definitions run completely contrary to the actual functioning of an embodied soul. We are not these separate parts. No one part is better than any other, and all are integral to the manifestation process. I like to think of these four as being on a long road trip together. While only one is driving the car at any given time, they are all along for the ride, all experiencing the trip, none are passive, and some are better in certain driving situations than others. Ironically, the mind is often the worst one to have driving, i.e. making decisions, but is the best to have riding shotguns. Its ability to problem-solve, see things from all sides, and foreseeing issues before they arise are great in a navigator, but deadly in a driver trying to react in the moment to circumstances beyond their control. However, the most neglected and maligned partner in manifestation is the body. My students, when working on manifestation projects, are quick to understand or grasp the big picture, the action items, the meanings of things, and so on. But once they know what needs to be done, there's a feeling of relief as well as excitement. However, when it comes to putting these things into action, initiating them physically, the momentum dies or a pause occurs. It's not uncommon for students to report they wrote things down and are confident events are in motion, when I ask for specifics, they turn back to thinking correctly, using their willpower to set intention and so on. I point out that no matter how many opportunities they generate this way, if any, nothing will happen until they physically act. In fact, more opportunities will be created, more connections made, and significant progress achieved if they don't wait and instead act on the intentions they've set. This is uncomfortable for most people because of the great divide between mind and body, which we are taught through the machine model. If our body is a faulty machine, which we can't depend on, and if actions have immense consequences in the world, transforming it with each movement and there are no take backsies with words or actions, then better to rely on intention, meditation, energy work, and prayer. It's more malleable and less impactful. The thing is, bodies are integral to the manifestation process. You can't make a baby through intention. You can't get nutrition into your body through willpower alone. 
and meditation won't get the commute to work done for you. Our body is the reason we choose to embody. There are things in embodied life we cannot get in any other way. Experiences we cannot have without encasement. For a soul to experience embodied life, to grow, to unfold and become, it not only needs to wear a bodysuit, it needs to deeply embrace and be embraced by the physical. Our bodies are like a soulmate, like a lover who never falters, never wavers in its devotion, even though our relationship with it can be abusive. Most people can improve their ability to manifest what they desire through creating a full and healthy relationship with their body. It's common wisdom right now to argue the merits of what types of food to eat, whether organic is worthwhile, how much sleep to have, what types of meditation are most restful and enlivening, how much caffeine to have, whether to have alcohol, and so on. Unfortunately, these discussions are mostly premised on the mechanical model, where one size fits all and we're fueling the machine in order to get more mileage and a smoother ride. They don't often consider the body as intelligent, unique, communicative, or relational. All of the things we think of as necessary for physical health are pretty much necessary. Rest, exercise, quality food, plenty of water, and the occasional pleasure such as tea, coffee, alcohol, sweets, and so on. However, to manifest, we must take this health we have created and utilize it to manifest ourselves and the life we wish to unfold into the world around us. To do this, it can be helpful to set aside the mind for a moment and focus on the direct connection between the soul and the body. The mind need not be a mediator between the two, and many times is just in the way. Take Native American dance, for example. Whether at a powwow or in ceremony, whether as demonstration or competition, Native American dance is an active prayer. The dancers manifest prayer in a variety of ways, including through the making of regalia. Each piece is a prayer, which is praying in every moment it exists. Each touch of their body with the regalia is a prayer. Each movement while wearing it is a prayer. This is why it's inappropriate to touch a dancer's regalia, whether worn or in storage. It's praying and should be honored by not being disturbed. Those who are called to play the great drum are not just praying through the beating of the drum, but are also helping the drum itself to manifest its potential. The sounds made through singing and drumming are active prayer, both of the drummers, but also of the drum and of the grounds which are being drummed on. All dancers go to the drum or drums before dancing and honor them through the gift of tobacco, the traditional means of physical prayer through pipe and transformation of emotions and thoughts into the physical through smoke. Each dancer becomes a prayer as they step into the dance arena. Each step they take is an act of prayer, and they are praying throughout. Another way to experience this type of soul-body connection is through martial arts. Tai Chi is one of the gentlest and most conducive to meditational practices. 
the body becomes the means by which the soul expresses through movements, which are also communication. The soul awakens to full energetic awareness through postures, transitions, and forms, which allow it the full range of manifestation, connective and boundaried, offensive and defensive. Yoga was specifically designed to connect the soul and the body in order to activate our most fully integrated state. It grounds those who are too out of their body, lifts those who are too grounded, and teaches the full vocabulary of what is possible within the tapestry of physicality while awakening the soul to full consciousness. To be mindful, mind-full, in this case is to be fully present in the body, not out of it. To experience the soul through yoga asks that we fully inhabit and relish the body we are in, not some unrealistic perfection which has nothing to do with our goals or path in this life. Unfortunately, in our current culture of doing and getting things done, even these disciplines can be turned into a mental process or an abuse by becoming a have-to, or a to-do list, or a mechanistic requirement for good physical health. So, where I recommend people start in creating a physical relationship with themselves is with Akashic meditation. This can be done either by itself or after an Akashic journey, depending on your goal. For a beginning relationship, I recommend using the meditation basic of sitting somewhere comfortably where you won't be interrupted. Breathe deeply and let your awareness go into your core. However, rather than doing something at this point, do nothing. Just be there. Don't breathe into your center. Don't move out of your center to some next step. Don't try to make your center or your chakras do or be anything. Just be there. Listen. Let yourself actually experience what it is to be fully in your body, in the room, with your feet on the floor, and at the same time, be in your core self. This might be all you do the first time. Just be there. That in itself is enough for your soul and body to connect, for you to get a rush of relaxation and joy endorphins. Whether or not you feel a lifted mood depends on how depleted your body is and what else is going on with you and other aspects of self. Next, there's a Kashic connection meditation. So the second or third time you do the first meditation, you can expand your awareness, not outside yourself or beyond your core, but to the energies flowing through your core. Energy from the Akashics flows into the crown of your head and through your chakras in an ever-pouring stream. At the same time, Akasha from the embodied world, or what is called earth energy, flows upwards through your feet, or perineum, depending on how you're positioned, through your chakras and out your head. Both of these are nourishing you, transforming you, and being manifested by you in each moment. You are both creator and created in each instant. And if you simply turn your awareness to your center, you can experience this consciously. Again, don't do anything. Just allow yourself to become fully participatory in the moment. In other words, let all the parts of you in the car for this embodied road trip share in the moment equally. 
So then, once you've mastered that, you can move on to Akashic Manifestation Meditation. This is another way you can engage in relationship building through action. For those working on manifestation projects in the Akashics, before using your mind to decide what actions should take priority, what would be best to do in what order, or what would be logical for manifesting what you've seen in your journeys, take a moment to go into your body with the plan. Using the meditation I just described, take all you have seen about the project in the Akashics into your center. Don't do anything with it. Just turn your awareness into your core. Then visualize what you've been working on. Once you've got it, allow. Allow your body to express its wisdom concerning what it does best, implementation. Let your emotions speak more than excitement or concern or anxiety. Let them color the process with wisdom. The soul speaks in gestures and feelings. Let its voice be heard. Then, and this is the hardest, most excruciating part of all, don't second guess. Don't let your mind override what you experienced. Don't let your problem-solving brain see this as interference or ridiculous, preposterous, contrary, childish, or impossible. Instead, do the most revolutionary of things and act on what your body and your emotions have told you. Prove you are trustworthy by acting on what they said. Trust is built upon the smallest of gestures, the most inconsequential of actions. Take one thing you've seen and act on it without reservation. What you'll find is not only will things start to manifest more robustly and on target, but you'll come to have more trust in your body, while at the same time, your body is learning you can be trusted. This has the added benefit of releasing you from needing to use willpower all the time to muscle things into being. You can taper off trying to wrangle your body into a certain shape, jacking your energy up with chemicals and carbs, and craving downtime, vacations, and escape. You might even find you've added capacity to take on dreams you had thought were out of reach. And that's all the time we have this week. Next week, we'll be discussing what it means to see energy, what types of energy can be seen, and what it all means practically for you. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please take a minute to show it some love on iTunes. Your comments are also appreciated. Thanks. Bye.